There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Welcome to Monday's Burn Barrel Podcast, starring Tom Shattuck, that's me, and my demure wife, Alice Shattuck, over there, the blonde lady. You look pretty, Alice. Thank you. You're very... It's, it's still summer, you know. What are you all dolled up for? I was hoping you'd rock the cleavage tonight. Come on, dude. Let's go. Hello? I don't know. I mean, I'm just dressed in clothes like usual. Yeah, but you're wearing a sweater. It's, <laughs> it's a lightweight sweater. It's, it's august. like a spring summery sweater. I'd like your neckline it's to be nautical. plunging for the rest of the summer, please. It's nautical. Oh. They don't have the sea in winter? <laughs> but that's a summery thing to wear nautical styles. All right. All right, Alice. Mm-hmm. Ready? Yes. So... It's this. So this is an example of something that I read and I say, <sighs> I say, okay, mm-hmm. should I ignore this? Should I try to fix the world a little bit by, should we talk about it? Or should I simply follow the compulsion I have? To slowly go to my smoking room, light up a cigar, and um, so here is a tweet by a guy named John Warrow. He's an, a Buffalo-based AP sports writer accused of being a wing elitist by Alexi uh, Lalas. The blurry banner photo is the replacements playing in Detroit. Already, everything about this guy I hate. I hate. First of all, the somewhat. E- chaotic um like hunter s thompson avatar pick like total disarray you know i'm um um you know gorilla style reporting two that he, he has the rep- the blurry banner photo is a blurry photo in person of the replacements in detroit that's such a love me thing to have 
You know, it's 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 uh, it's just niche enough. Yeah, the replacements. Yeah, the photos blurry. F it. That was rock and roll then when I saw them in the club. The fact that he's an AP sports writer already already bothers me. Accused of being a wing elitist by Alexi Lalas. Ooh, Alexi Lalas, who's a big sports guy. Who was who was Alexi Lalas? Was he tennis or um, he was tennis, wasn't he? What's the matter, buddy? What's wrong? Soccer player, huh? Who knew? So the okay. question is that they were playing Sea People and Anson thought it was his game, but it wasn't. You came up with the game. So he should go by your rules? Tell him he should... Tell him he has to follow your rules. Follow your so. rules uh, because if he doesn't, then he can't go to dinner with us to the restaurant, okay? He'll still do that? No, he won't. Tell him that if he does it again, that you send him here. up here to Would talk to us. Would this help? Okay. Oh, right into the camera. There. We'll see it. Alexi Lalas is a soccer player. Who knew? Um, okay, so I got a problem with this guy. Um, I also have a problem with that he's got 14,500 uh, followers more than me. Um, so... He finds himself very interesting, and so I don't like him. So, And it doesn't matter. So here's his tweet today. Curious. So he's covering the bills in Buffalo. Curious. Mm -hmm. Just dawned on me that the hashtag bills practice music soundtrack rarely, if ever, features a female act. So the music they play on the PA overhead... Rarely, if ever, females a female act features a female act. This is the sports the AP sports reporter says this. Curious, just dawned on me that the Bills practice music rarely soundtrack rarely, if ever, features a female act. What's wrong with you, dude? What what kind of what kind of organism are you <laughs> that you you think to yourself, huh? Let's see. Wait a second. You know what? I'm he Wait a second, that's three guy songs in a row. I could tweet this. This shows I'm counting. I could start a little something here. What the frig? Maybe guys write better sports practice music for guys. So, so somebody responded to him, uh, yeah, Adele really gets the blood flowing. <laughs> and he said, this is where we are now. He said, if Adele... And don't get me wrong, her first two albums were good. Is the extent of your knowledge of female artists and aren't familiar with those who are capable of bringing an edge? Well, you're missing out. Oh, you bitch. Oh, really? Really? You're pandering. So now I, the I, person who suggested that maybe female artists aren't exactly what they're looking for one of has the reasons, a sexism problem, too. What do you mean? I mean, he's implying that person is sexist, too. Right? That the commenter has a, is sexist. Yes. For only knowing Adele, right. apparently. 
This guy knows a lot more. He saw the replacements in person. There's a blurry photo if you don't know. Do you know the replacements? No. Of course, you're never going to know the, the stuff that he knows. <laughs> they did uh, Waitress in the Sky and a couple of other stuff. It's and a look real, at me. All, I'm going real, through my life totally happy, but it's not a real, even knowing the, what the replacements are. The problem is are. this guy, Alice, one of the reasons my screenplay that I wrote bad, was so bad mm-hmm. is that the characters were like these... Were the two main characters, the character I wrote, who was a facsimile, attempted facsimile me, was the me I wanted to be when I was like 25 when I wrote mm-hmm. it. There's a he name was... for that. That's called a Mary Sue. Oh, is that true? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it was a Mary Sue. It was Like a lot of people felt that, um, what's his name? The doctor's kid, Wesley Stryker or whatever. In, um, um, in Crusher. Wesley Crusher, mm-hmm. right. In, um, in The Next Generation. Was like a Mary Sue type of character for Oppenheimer. Hmm. No, for like the people making the show. Oh, okay. That he was like, like really. Oh no, smart I mean, I meant Roddenberry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that he's like really super smart and like. Right. Okay. You know. Uh, yes. That, that that's like that's a temptation a lot of writers have, or like it happens a lot with uh, to be sexist again with like female writers writing romantic stories mm-hmm. like twilight is like a prime example because the main character girl is like just incredibly beautiful and all the boys like her but she doesn't even think she's pretty at right. all and she's like super nuanced and cool but like awkward at the same time like it's very you're just writing the person that you wish you were into a character which is so transparent and terrible but yes that's that's the um the Tom Shattuck screenplay approach, but so so anyway, so this the, the, my screenplay. It was a character I wrote it with another guy. His character was based on him, but cooler. Mine was based on me, but cooler. Mm-hmm. But all you know, always you know, had just been with the hottest lady in town. Knows how to ballroom dance at the same time. Is like uh, you know can speak street and southy, but you know can yeah. Stu- so he's manage- cultivating a Mary he, he knows, Twitter but profile he, of well, himself. Well, yeah, and, you know can can mention Keats and Yates, who I assume are writers. Um, you know, it was like really, it was pathetic. But yeah, so this guy's Twitter profile, he's this is his personality. This is me. Look at this. I'm a little bit of a mess today, and yeah, I go to the replacements. I'm just not some wire writer for sports. I'm a little more interesting than that. And I would get accused of things. And by the way, just had a conscientious moment too. Give me a frigging break. I can't. I hate those people who who find a personality they want to be. I have been that person. I have been, mm-hmm. believe me. And I've hated people. I Haven't remember we all, was about though, a week in reason. 1994 where I really wanted to be Chandler, so I acted like him. And there was no more. And I, I moved on because I was just going to have it. But I didn't look that- like him in a vest, I didn't have the hair. Isn't but, that but, why but, but, it's so but, hateable, so, but though? But the thing is, okay. though, that uh, for the next three years, if I, I could spot other guys trying to be like him, oh, and I hated mm-hmm. them. I hated them for being as shallow as I was. Yeah, so. but isn't that, like, why it's hateable, too, is because you see yourself in it, and you hate that about yourself. So, like, when you see it in other people, it's hateable? Yes, like, I Like, because that's we all have that instinct to like want to be this version of ourselves, right? Yes. And to envision ourselves this certain way. So when we see other people just transparently doing it, and the more you wake up to it in yourself and are disgusted by it, the more you see it in other people too. So I mean, I mean, I think it's a pretty universal thing. But you know what? We'll move on. This has been more of a sad day for Alice Shattuck. You know why? Why? 
I don't think we'd ever should ever shake hands ever again, to be honest with you. Not only would it be good to prevent coronavirus disease, it probably would decrease the incidence of influenza dramatically in this country. There's a lot of confusion among people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? The masks are important for someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. This is March of 2020. And it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. This is a few months later. You can make uh, a general common sense extrapolation. If one mask serves as a physical barrier, if you put two on, if you're looking for enhancing the physical barrier, it makes common sense that it certainly can hurt and might help, but it doesn't yet reach the point of an official recommendation from the CDC because of the lack of data. But when people tell me or ask me, should I be wearing two masks? I say, you know, if it makes you feel better to do two masks, the chances are you're going to get an enhanced protection. So why not go ahead and do it? Why not? All of the things that I have spoken about consistently from the very beginning have been fundamentally based on science. Sometimes those things were inconvenient truths for people and there was pushback against me. So if you are trying to, do, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. And anybody that looks at what's going on clearly sees that. You have to be asleep not to see that. That is what's going on. Science and the truth are being attacked. Each of our countries have that independent spirit but we don't want to be told what to do. Well, I understand that, but now is the time to do what you're told. <laughs> and I think it really is something that we should be doing. Do what you're told, Alice. There goes your buddy, Anthony Fauci. Mm -hmm. Famously featured in the Shattuck's Thanksgiving song, in fact. That's right. He's leaving, leaving uh, his post in a couple of months. Thoughts? I mean, unfortunately, the language that he's using makes it sound like he's not really going anywhere. It sounds more to me like he's trying to free up time for more TV hits and stuff. I assume he'll be writing a lot of books and making a lot of appearances on things and generally being around because he's saying, like, it's time to move on to the next phase of my career and stuff like well, that. Well, yeah. Alice, but, he's 82. I know, but I don't think his career is uh, in a casket. I hate to tell you. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that I shouldn't laugh at that. That's very mean. But um, he says he's going to like pursue his next chapter, right? <laughs> so I mean, like, I don't think he's going to go away. Um, 
Because he said, this is what he said. After more than 50 years of government service, I plan to pursue the next phase of my career while I still have so much energy and passion for my field. I will use what I've learned to continue to advance science and public health and to inspire and mentor the next generation of scientific leaders as they help prepare the world to face future infectious disease threats. So I think he's going to definitely be hanging around like in media and stuff. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's done, Alice. I also think if the Republicans take Congress, he's going to be hauled into all sorts of committees. Well, I assume that he's assuming thinking that's going to be happening. So, I mean, I don't know. But at least we won't be paying his salary anymore. It's $418,000. So, uh, I don't really know um, if we have a Fauci-free future to look forward to. I mean, he'll be he'll have less power, but and we won't be paying him. But I think that will probably be the extent of the difference, because I think he's noticed, too, obviously, that his visage is on every like throw pillow and prayer candle and mug and socks and whatever else. And I think he wants to cash in while he's famous still. AP style book. New style, Alice. Do not don't use the pronoun she in reference to nations, ships, storms, or voice assistants, except in direct quotations. Use it instead. I like calling ships she. AP Stylebook says do not use that. Why? Because um you're call them trans women instead. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. But that's what the AP Stylebook says. They're making important change. Eh, that is it. Mm. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. Um, what do you think that the like most important key defining issue that people care about right now is for the election, like for politics, right? I think it is um, prices, inflation, prices. Hmm. So, because I've heard a couple different takes, you've had some stuff on around, I've heard Mm -hmm. some people in podcasts saying, like, they think it's the prices and the inflation. I probably agree that I think it's the prices and inflation, but a close second, and one that Tucker keeps saying is, like, the biggest issue that candidates should focus on more, is crime. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's second, then. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that's also a big one. I mean, which he ties to, like, the southern border and stuff, too, in particular. So, like, immigration policy, fentanyl, like, all this stuff. And, like, fentanyl deaths are up a lot. A lot. Yes, yes. Um, So that is a big thing. And certainly that ties into, like, the deaths of despair, the depression from the pandemic stuff, from the isolation, from whatever. And... I think that that's a big issue for people. I think that the crime is a big issue. I mean, like you cover this stuff in Connecticut, the catalytic converter thefts and the Mm -hmm. carjackings. And I mean, the Asian hate stuff where there's like people beating up random Asian people. And like in New York, a lot of Jewish people too. But San Francisco, there's Mm -hmm. lots of Asian people. I think that there's... um, I think that there are some very serious problems in our society. I But... You know, it doesn't seem to me that the politicians are particularly focused on these. You know, in any of the races. Uh, well, illegal immigration is a huge one for Republicans. I know that. It, mm-hmm. It's it's less big for Democrats. But um, but it certainly is an issue. But I think the, I think crime is big. But the thing is, you know what, I, I kind of... 
I was I, I kind of emphasize kitchen table issues because that affects everybody. Like for there are people out in the middle of the country who aren't feeling the crime, I, right? Of- or even people in the suburbs who the Democrats have had a lot of inroads with, right? Like the college educated suburban people mm-hmm. voters, they're they've done well with those voters on, during the Trump years, right? And so and those voters I don't think are necessarily feeling the crime. I mean the ones who are living in cities certainly do. Mm-hmm. Or very or suburbs that are very close to cities, I think they're feeling it. You know, like in Connecticut, even like in Glastonbury and some of these towns that are nicer, but they're within a stone's throw of Hartford. It's like it, it leaks out of the city into those nicer suburbs. But I think that also, um, you know, where we are, we're not like feeling an uptick of crime. So no. if we wanted to be liberals and just believe that there was no uptick in crime, it would be very easy to do that living where we live right now. Uh, yes, no, you could absolutely. totally believe it was like all yes. made up in a lie and just sensationalism coming from Republicans. Right. But I think people who live in cities are really feeling it, you know. So I, I mean, I do think I do think the biggest two issues are the, are the crime and the inflation. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the inflation numbers over the next few months because the gas prices certainly have softened a little bit. That's not as bad for people, um, but. You know, I I don't think that this bill that the Democrats put out here will help inflation at all. I think there is going to continue to be bad inflation numbers for a while. Even if it comes out and next month it's like 7.9, the Democrats are going to point to that as like a big success. But realistically, it still means the prices are way higher than they were a year ago. So it's really a big problem for people. And I mean, you know, everybody's feeling that and like we we talked about this a little bit but you know we were we've been in how many new england states this week like connecticut mm. massachusetts new hampshire and vermont we've been across four states this week and like everywhere you go it's help wanted signs mm-hmm. it's the the signs for restaurants um are empty on the highway because there's everything's closed down or only open a couple days. Places are not like you go to restaurants and they're like weirdly empty. I mean, it's certainly a little bit of that was from the pandemic. We certainly ate out a lot during the pandemic and saw yeah. a lot of empty restaurants. But there's also like a lot of, you know, weirdness still now. And part of it is just the prices are so high with what they have to pay people to get them to come to work that fewer people are going out, you know? So I I don't know. I don't know if a lot of these businesses and stuff will survive this. You know, I don't think that the Bi- the Biden economists and all these people can sit around and tell us that we're not going into a recession and everything's totally fine. But like just looking around at the service industry, it seems like something really bad is happening. Or when you read about like all the flight cancellations yep. because people aren't showing up to work. All these things where, you know, weird stuff is still happening in the economy. And it's not because, you know, Shanghai was locked down last year or whatever. The The economy is weird here and now and and for real people. And I just I can't shake the feeling that we are we are not on the way out of this economic weirdness right now yet. Like, I mean, I do think there is going to be a recession. And I think that um, I think that a lot of brands, a lot of stores are are feeling this crunch right now. And 
in true form, the companies that are going to be able to weather it and stick it out are going to be the big companies and more mom and pop shops are going to close. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, the, the chain restaurants are going to be able to do this and stick it out through this stuff. Um, but, you know, other places aren't. Yeah, and what were we... What was it Juan who we were talking to down in Connecticut who was talking about uh um what was he saying that the the, the the there were no people available at all? Was it when we were in Vermont about the Mason? Maybe that's what it was. Just Masons, that's right. We were trying to hire a Mason in Vermont to fix a chimney and it was like you can't get people for months and months because they don't have help and they're so booked up with jobs, all these trades, like I mean, it really it feels so weird. And part of it, yeah, part of it is that people have retired early. Young people are continuing to live with their parents and not getting jobs right now. There's a lot of that happening. There is also, I mean, I think that child care is a really big issue because child care is insanely expensive and only getting more expensive, right? And we've been there before where... Like, you're doing the math because you both have a job, but you're paying so much for daycare and a second car and a dog walker and a house cleaner because nobody's home and you need all this stuff. And you start to realize that you're not making any money unless you need, you know, unless you make an exorbitant salary. You know, like, I tried to figure out what it would cost to have, um, you know, a nanny come a certain number of days a week. And it, if you do it legally in Massachusetts... Um, and you pay the nanny Massachusetts minimum wage and do all the taxes that you're supposed to do and stuff, you will have to make approximately, I asked, I like rule of thumb estimated it, and this was a couple of years ago, that I would have to make like $50,000 to even just break even paying just the nanny before like gas on a commute to work or anything else. And like, you know, it's worked out. Now I have a job that I can do from home, so it's fine, but like... A lot of people, I think, aren't going back to work because if you don't make a certain salary, and I think it's especially pronounced in jobs where you have to go into work, right? Remote jobs, I don't think you're seeing nearly the same crunch of um, problems no, getting help. No, But jobs where you have to go into work, waitressing, working in stores, trades, like you can't, you can't be a plumber remotely. You can't be a mason remotely. Like you just can't do it. And like a lot of people, like if you have kids, 
women can't do, I know there's fewer women masons and plumbers, but overall it takes people out of those job markets. Fewer women working in stores or waitressing or any of these jobs means that you know, that you're going to have an overall labor shortage that's going to impact all those jobs, you know, because it, if it's not going to make sense for those women to leave their kids and go into work financially, if they'll be losing money paying the daycare, then then they're not going to go to work. So that that's it. And I mean, personally, I think it's like better if you can to stay with your kids. Like, I think a lot of women... I venture to say most women, if it were financially feasible to them, would choose that. And I think a lot of people now at this point have made choices and adjusted their lives around doing that and aren't going back. Yes. Well, let me add to that. Mm-hmm. Um, a PBS uh, survey from April this year says in 18 states, the shared data through the current school year, the number of homeschooling students increased in the 2021 school year by guess what percent? Um, by guess what percent? Um, like to prior to the pandemic, I would say like 80 percent. Um, in 18 states that shared the data through the school year, the number of homeschooling students increased by 63 yeah. percent in the 2020-21 school year, then fell only by 17 percent in 2021-22. Right. So that's obviously part of it mm-hmm. is that it is it is a freaking crime that money doesn't follow the kids in every freaking state yeah totally totally because you pay the schools so much money um to educate your kids and i mean i know that everybody pays the school so much money including people who don't have kids but if you take your kids out of the school then the burden is now off the school from educating your kids that's a kid that they don't have in the classroom now do you know what I mean? Of course. So it's almost like being double taxed because you have to now pay for other forms of schooling, whether that's uh, because you have quit your job and you're paying that way to homeschool or whether it's because you're paying for a private school or whatever it is. So Right. Um, and I mean, like, I expect this to happen more. I don't think it's going to happen in this state. The unions, especially the teachers unions, are just incredibly powerful in this state. Charlie Baker, the most popular governor on planet freaking Earth, according to all the polling in the world, who was coasted to re-election in 2018 with tons of Democrat votes. Everybody loves the guy, right? Except Republicans, but that's another story. But he pushed so hard in his first term in office to try and get a, a to expand the cap on charter schools. Not to make money follow the student to private schools or anything else that these more conservative states are doing. He pushed so hard to get that um, question to to just to just expand the number of available charter schools because there are kids in terrible, terrible school districts languishing on waiting lists, waiting for lotteries for these charter schools because they desperately want to be in the charter schools and can't get into them because there's a cap on the number of charter schools that can operate in the state. And all he wanted to do, he had a ballot question to lift Mm -hmm. the cap a little bit. So a few more kids would have an opportunity to go to, but no, it was draining the public schools. It was taking money and power away from teachers unions. And they spent so much money to defeat that question. And it was incredibly, it was incredibly unpopular. The idea that we would even expand charter schools a little bit in this state, much less vouchers for private schools. People would freak out. They, it's so out of control in this state and they're so out of their minds. And I like, 
the town we used to live in, I like gave up because I would go to these meetings and they would make these presentations about how the poor teachers had only had cost of living adjustments and not raises for the last whatever years. Oh, and I was thinking to myself, like, who in the private sector is getting cost of living adjustments? When was the last time you saw a cost of living adjustment at work? I know it's been adjusted down. <laughs> I know, I know. Everybody else is like suffering in the world and like getting their salary cut, and the, it's always like, oh, we're underpaying teachers so much. We are not underpaying teachers so much. Stop. It's absurd. It's so absurd. I could go. That's a fifteen seventy project waiting to happen. I guess, but I just it's so irritating to me that. In Massachusetts in particular, these unions have so much power. Like the stuff Ron DeSantis is doing down in Florida, if only we could do that stuff here, right? Uh, you know, like letting veterans teach without a teaching certificate and all that stuff. But I mean, that's in Massachusetts, that's like one of the reasons why um, private schools are cheaper. Did you know that private school teachers in Massachusetts make less money than public school teachers? I did know that. And yet a lot of them prefer to teach in the private schools because it's a much less psychotic environment. Imagine like all the worst people from the RMV and from like the people that made us steal at our house and all the toxic government hack people who are just terrible. And like then, you know, mm -hmm put them all in charge of a school, and that's, like, what the public schools are. It's so insane. It is. It is ridiculously insane. There's, like, massive expansion of the numbers of administrators, all this. Oh, the public schools are so terrible and unsavable. Dateline, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, sorry, Madison, Connecticut. Why were the cops called? Viral TikTok sparks controversy around the police. Mm -hmm. The viral TikTok and Instagram reel shows a state trooper dancing and having fun with a group of young black professionals at Hamanaset State Park. A video of two Hartford organizers organizations having a beach party went viral this week. However, it's sparking meaningful conversation. Oh. The viral TikTok and Instagram reel shows a state trooper dancing and having fun with a group of young black professionals at Hamanaset State Park in Madison. During the seventh annual Skip Work Week Beach Day, hosted by TMB, whatever that is, and the University of Dope, I don't know, but fine. So, so you've got these cops who come there, and instead of just having a beach day, the people who run these places they have to see. It, it's got to be, of course, a race problem. We have to go to the root of it. Like, why were the cops called? Why were they there in the first place? When we were just having a great day at the beach, just like everybody else on the beach was. Well, somebody called the cops, and the cops had to respond. When we arrived on scene, we were able to just kind of distinguish and, and realize that it wasn't the whole group that was causing an issue. Uh, it was just a few, a small few that, uh, you know, we asked them to leave. Okay, so some group that was either ancillary or part there near them was causing an issue. So the cops kicked them out. And then dance with everybody else. And everything was good. Everything was fun. Didn't see any unusual activity. Kids were having a hula hoop competition. Um, yeah, it, it speaks to the bigger issue why they were in there. The bigger issue, why were they in there? Just being black on a beach on there a Friday go. can cause uh, someone to think you're a threat and want to call the cops. And then also it's kind of disturbing understanding like everything that's been going on the last couple of years, knowing that when you call the cops on black people, what the outcome could be. Okay. So first of all, this idiot runs one of these organizations <laughs> who's saying this, 
knowing what we know over the last two years, you know what happens when you call a black, what could be. Well, it's never just, or very rarely ever just, somebody called the cops and the cop shot the guy. It's knowing what the outcome could be if the cops come and you reach for his gun. Or if the cops come and you resist, and the cops come and it escalates. And it has That's, nothing to do with race, by the way. With race. Well, there absolutely. Was, there so, no, those, of, those, here we okay. go. So this is the point. So this idiot teaches people. He's part of, like, he's a leader there. So they're mm-hmm. like, so this now, this is why we've got a problem. And this is why when the, the thing says 75% of people think where this country's heading in the wrong direction on both sides think that, that's a problem. Because we have two different realities, and one has been made out of whole cloth, created really starting with the Michael Brown BS, and then with the George Floyd stuff, etc. We've now got to the point here where these people, you've got people, and the left is happy to have them believe this, who live in a world that is artificial, where, where, they, where the things that they believe are, are flawed. This is the New Manhattan Institute research. On-duty police fatally shoot about a thousand people every year. This number and its racial breakdown breakdown have remained remarkably steady since 2015. The overall post tally has ranged from a low of 958 in 2016 to a record of 1,055 in 2021. With any uh, pattern difficulty, approximately a quarter of those killed are black. Mm-hmm. Once again, approximately a quarter of those killed are black. This is roughly double the black share of the overall population, but it is in line with, and sometimes below, many other benchmarks that one might use for comparison, such as the racial breakdowns of arrests, murders, and violent crime offenders as reported by victims in surveys. Blacks are an even higher percentage of unarmed, blacks are an even higher percentage of unarmed civilians shot and killed by police, 34%, which is a potential sign of bias. However, not all shootings of unarmed civilians are unjustified, and it is difficult to objectively classify these cases in a more granular fashion. And contrary to the popular perceptions outlined above, confirmed fatal police shootings of unarmed African Americans number about 22 per year. More, um, so there was just one in Arkansas where a bunch of cops got suspended because a video came out where they were beating the heck out of a white guy they were arrested. Okay, okay, so that's why that one went away. Yeah, that's why you didn't hear about it. And the race wasn't mentioned until like way down in the article. Whereas I knew immediately it had to be a white guy because I knew that if the arrestee who was getting beat up was black that would have been a prominent feature of the article and it would have featured the person's family and they would have already hired ben crump and the whole thing Mm -hmm. it would but there wasn't any of that until like very far down it said that like all the cops and the guy were white you know somewhere extremely far down in the article but like sometimes this stuff happens when they're arresting people because people are crazy and resist arrest and do all this stuff and like this stuff happens but people don't People want to talk about race and policing and race in the criminal justice system until you start to bring some facts and information to the debate, in which case they absolutely stop wanting to talk about it. Like right. that like that article states that you were just reading. It's like the uncomfortable fact is that black people commit way disproportionate murders to their share of the mm-hmm. population, for example. Like, we can sit here and talk about how many black people are locked up for nonviolent drug offenses compared to white people, and like, sure, there's probably some injustice there, and we should do something about it. But that's not going to solve the disproportionality in the number of people in the criminal justice system, the people who are incarcerated right now, because a lot of very violent crimes in step two. Now, are there factors that play into that? 
absolutely the terrible schools in the inner cities, the fatherlessness, like all those things that are social problems that we as a society should be doing something about. Like we should be doing something about mm-hmm. marriage breakdown. We should be doing something about the flow of drugs into communities. We should be doing something about a lot of these things, right? But, you know, they're not issues that the left wants to tackle in ways that actually solve them. No. So they're never going to get solved. But another one that was um, a big one today was uh, the San Francisco Chronicle came out with a big article because another racial narrative that nobody wants to hear about, obviously, is we had all the like stop Asian hate stuff and like Asian people were getting beat up and it was terrible and all these things. Um, So the left, of course, is less concerned about actually the part where the Asian people are getting beat up and more concerned about people noticing that it's a lot of black people doing the beating up. Right. That's the bigger problem for them is not that there is like random homeless people who happen to be black, like sucker punching Asian people for no reason on the street and then getting released right back out again. That doesn't concern or worry them at all. What concerns them is that right wing people are noticing it and commenting on it and using it for politics. So the San Francisco Chronicle had this whole big article today. A first-of-its-kind study this month examines how disinformation is being used, often online, to sow discord between Asian American and Pacific Islander communities and other ethnic or racial groups. Led by a coalition of AAPI organizations and academic researchers, the study includes five case studies covering an array of topics affecting diverse ethnic communities. One of these case studies concerns an issue a lot of us in the Bay Area are struggling to discuss with sensitivity and poise. It concerns violence against people of Asian descent and how cynical media actors have shaped a legitimate concern into a destructive narrative pitting Asian and black communities against each other, or right. have tried to, anyway. And now they're telling the truth about what's happening. Several of the social media accounts the report describes as bad actors who operate under anonymity and claim to be based in San Francisco. Uh, so then it talks about them, blah, blah, blah. Um... The media not paying this line saying the media is not paying attention is an old tactic. One that the Asian American Disinformation Tables report says advances conspiratorial narratives that insinuate there is a woke liberal conspiracy where Democrat politicians, leftist journalists, and platforms themselves have suppressed the real truth about the roots of Asian hate. If you're wondering why they would do that, consider the San Francisco data from the FBI show white people are largely behind local hate crimes. And a national report uh, shows white people are largely behind reported hate crimes throughout the U.S. Mm, Well, what about specifically the anti-Asian hate crimes in San Francisco? Who's proportionally behind those ones? Don't tell me largely behind because the population is not you know, 50-50 white and black. So, you know, don't start with that. When black people are 13% of the population, if they're doing 30% of the Asian hate, that's still a lot. Right. The data underlines a cynical ploy by these social media influencers to move Asian Americans to the political right. That's the real problem. My goodness. So I don't know. They should have got rid of everything in the middle and just had that the lead and then that. <laughs> and thus diluting the AAPI community's political power and agency. Oh, they! I see. They only have political power and agency if Democrats are elected. So, you know, it goes on. But you're not allowed. If you post online, 
videos oftentimes there are security videos out here of these attacks mm-hmm. on asian people if you post the articles that show the race of the perpetrator you're contributing to disinformation that's making asian well, americans more right wing it's just don't post the black ones post the white ones is good because or else you're <laughs> destroying the narrative which they actually said right there in the open which is wonderful <laughs> incredible that they're so just blatant about okay it. we run out of time and we've got to get to a dinner date so i can play maybe two of these okay. I was wondering if uh, you heard uh in the news recently i don't know if this is happening uh your neck of the woods but my boys who attend um ernie hudson high uh they uh came down with um uh an epidemic unbelievable uh disease uh chlamydia has been going oh, God. ernie hudson high uh, okay, let's see. Hey, can I interest you in some weasels? I got a bunch of them, a backload of them. Fell off a truck. Or maybe even a swallow. Ah, uh, no, no, kids, we've got enough animals. Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, no. Hi. Stephen Alton, New Hampshire. I was just watching an extended interview that Howie Kurtz did with Alan Dershowitz. Oh, I like both of those guys. On his Sunday show, Media Buzz. Um, two observations. One, the older that he gets, I think the more we should refer to him as Woody Dershowitz. Because it, it looks like he and Woody Allen are sharing DNA. <laughs> They're melding into the same person. And two, I think I caught a hanger in Alan's left nostril. Like it was a very unusual oh, angle for the interview. Oh. Uh right up there, right under there, and it was uh it was not pleasant. Oh. Tom, let me know if you saw the same thing. Thank I you. I did not. I would watch it. I would I like both of those guys, but I don't, I don't know like if he'll watch the hear, interview like now. You that. might have stopped him. No. Oh, you know it's weird though. When I was just a few years back, we used to reach out to Dershwich all the time and he was always available. Um interesting guy. He's a braggart about his basketball prowess. It was just didn't see it coming. Didn't see him like hmm. needing to make sure we knew that he was really good at basketball as a thing. But he was really good at basketball. Never forget. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You can leave those chat chat messages. I guess Danny and Bill Verka's mad at you for calling him Tommy because he didn't call back. But you can do that oh, at yeah. burnbarrelpodcast.com. There's the red button where you can leave a message. You can also email us burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com or talk to us on social media at burnbarrelpod on twitter or facebook.com slash burnbarrelpodcast C'est la vie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 